0: This is Rotten or Righteous News, and today... Thank you, everyone, for your kindness and love. Love, Richard. Keep it up, ladies. Keep that heart rate up. Move that leg and move that leg and punch your arms. Richard (laughs) Simmons. Hello and welcome back to Rotten Righteous News Network, the show that gives you nearly new news that nobody needs to know. This week's episode is brought to you by Adult Diaper Genie, because sometimes... <laughs> is there an
1: adult diaper genie? I, I imagine, know there's one for babies.
0: I imagine you can just use a diaper genie for babies, for adults. I think they're universal.
1: Are they big enough?
0: I don't we know. I don't think
1: the adult diapers would be bigger,
0: dude, it would surprise you Maybe how many how many diapers you can jam in a diaper genie. I just imagine that you could use oh a my. regular size diaper genie for an adult, but you would just have to change it more often. Yeah. I'm Zach Geyler, your anchor with long with my co-anchor Scott Judge. Whoop, whoop. this week we've got we've got lots of stories, but first, I think we need to go to the world of sports. As we mentioned a couple of weeks ago, Ohio State kicks off against Notre Dame this Sunday, Saturday, this Saturday. It's not a professional sports team. At 7 p.m. or 6 central. Now, people ask me, Zach, who are you going to be rooting for in this game? Well, Ohio State, that's a dumb question. You should never ask, who am I going to be rooting for? I don't even care if it's like, A game between Purdue and Penn State. Zach, who are you rooting for? Ohio State. I hope the Buckeyes crash into the Purdue game and just take over. Now people go Zach dumb question. Don't be dumb, people. Don't be dumb. Are you worried about Notre Dame coming in? They're the underdogs. Do you think that they have a chance? Well, dear friends, I'd like to remind you about the last time Notre Dame played a team with the initials OSU back on January 1st, 2022. The headline from sportsnot.com is from Matt Johnson. Twitter reacts to Notre Dame blowing a 28-7 lead in stunning Fiesta Bowl loss to Oklahoma State. The Marcus Freeman era for the Notre Dame Fighting Irish started off with a bang, leading 28-7 in the Fiesta Bowl against Oklahoma State but the Fighting Irish will now remember Freeman's first game as another embarrassing moment for the program. Things looked promising early for the Fighting Irish. Jack Cohen led a five-play, 75-yard touchdown drive to begin Saturday's action. After Notre Dame generated a takeaway on the Cowboys' second offensive drive, the Fighting Irish turned it into another touchdown in a 14-point lead. Things looked even more promising in the second quarter. After generating another three and out from Oklahoma State, Just 11 plays later, Michael Mayer found the end zone for what seemed like an insurmountable 21-point lead. Notre Dame had every reason to be confident, even without their safety Kyle Hamilton and top running back uh, Kyron Williams. Since 2014, the Fighting Irish held a perfect 79-0 record games, which they led by 21 points. But things started to go downhill right before halftime. Oklahoma State covered 75 yards in 39 seconds, making it 28-14 before the half. On their first drive of the third quarter, the Cowboys delivered a 12-play, 87-yard scoring drive to make it a 28-21 game. Another Notre Dame punt pinned Oklahoma State inside its 12-yard line. But once again, the Cowboys covered 80-plus yards to tie the game. The Fighting Irish went 3-and-out on their next series. With great field position, the Cowboys covered 36 yards to set up a go-ahead field goal, then turned a Cohen interception into three more points, and then made it 37-28 with two minutes and 16 seconds remaining. While the Fighting Irish finally found the end zone, snapping a nearly two-quarter scoreless drought, they could never recover, or they couldn't recover their onside kick. As Oklahoma State celebrated its unbelievable comeback and a 37-35 victory, the college football world lit up Notre Dame for its horrific Fiesta Bowl collapse and another New Year's Six Bowl loss. Here's what Twitter had to say as Notre Dame lost their last game to a team with the initials OSU. They're about to lose two games in a row to the teams with the initials OSU. Now, keep in mind, Oklahoma State is not the OSU. They really should change their initials. I think they should put like a silent... W in front of Oklahoma. That would work.
1: They should be like the Oklahoma Pokes University.
0: Haley McGoldrick wrote, After watching this game, I'm not really sure if the Lord himself is even a Notre Dame fan. The play calling is a sin. I like that, because Notre Dame calls themselves God's team. Mm -hmm. I'm pretty sure David didn't go out to his fight against Goliath score a stone throw into the, the forehead of Goliath, but Goliath pulled the stone out at the last minute and hurled it at Joseph, knocking his head off. If you're God's man, you're going to win. Notre Dame, you're nothing but... but but Satan. You should be called Satan, Dame. Tom Fernelli wrote, For real, Notre Dame needs to block the Fiesta Bull's phone number. Reddit College Football... Posted, Notre Dame's offense has opted out of the second half of the Fiesta Bowl. Barstool (laughs) Irish wrote, Notre Dame's football is bad for my mental health. And finally, Dave Portnoy wrote, New Year, same old Notre Dame. So, they may be walking into the shoe this Saturday with a bad taste in their mouth, but it's only going to get just a little bit worse. I know I don't like to leave the world of sports or I, or like to spend a lot of time in the world of sports, but I, I I've got to go back to the world of sports and just dip my toe in it again because something momentous happened literally today over in England, Scott. This mm, story's from haven't eight, heard this, this story's from the BBC from eight hours ago. As wow. we're recording this on August thirtieth. The headline reads World Gravy Wrestling Championships return after two-year break.
1: (laughs) See, my hearing's getting bad. Did you just say World Gravy Wrestling Championships? Yep. Oh, that's great. That's brilliant. Do go on, my friend.
0: Fancy dress, wrestling, and lashings of gravy were the order of the day as one of the world's craziest culinary competitions returned. After a two-year COVID-induced hiatus, a host of wrestlers took part in the 12th annual World Gravy Wrestling Championship at Rosenbull Pub in Rosendale, Lancashire. Or La- Lancashire, La- L- it's an English name. Lancashire is how I would pronounce it, but that's not Lancashire. right. Lancashire. I anyway,
1: placed had some gravy today
0: on Monday. The event sees competitors grapple in a pool of gravy for two minutes. Pub restaurant manager Carol Lowe said it was amazing to be back. The charity event, which raises funds for East Lancashire Hospice, was canceled in 2020 and 2021 due to COVID restrictions. Miss Lowe said people came from far and wide to watch and take part on its return in the Atmosphere has been absolutely bouncing. It sees competitors wrestle in a pool of gravy for two minutes, with points being scored for fancy dress, entertainment value, and wrestling ability.
1: <laughs> so you know, you know me, Zach. I gotta ask the stupid question, and I don't know why this came to my mind. But are we talking beef gravy or chicken gravy?
0: It looks very, very beef based it's a very brown gravy
1: beef based okay brown gravy
0: basically okay. basically people come in fancy dress men and ladies and they wrestle in gravy and get eliminated as the day goes on miss low said it's very messy the men event was won by lloyd clarkson with Imogene young taking the women's title you know what i say to that scott Mm-mm. that's some savory news <laughs> yummy so basically people get dressed up and uh they just they just waller in some gravy for a while for good calls
1: so are they like uh in tux suit and ties evening gowns
0: well, let's see let me try to explain this uh how can i i see one man in a very low-cut sundress battling a shirtless man and a pair of slacks uh, another man is in a wrestling onesie with the Union Jack on it, the flag of, of England, and he seems to uh-huh. be wrestling a man in wizard's robes and high-heel shoes. Um, yeah, so you, apparently fancy dress just means you dress unusually.
1: Unusually, yeah. So... I'm surprised the ESPN didn't carry this.
0: Yeah, I know, it's it's a shocking thing that this should have been all over the the, <laughs> the sports news headlines everywhere.
1: Hmm.
0: So now I don't want to leave England just yet. So let's go to our our next news story. This is from Fox News. Published on August 22nd, 2022. Queen Elizabeth has eaten this every day since she was a toddler, former Private Chef Reveals. Now, before I begin, I will say when I first read that headline, I really hoped that it was going to be like a penny. Oh, wow. Like, we don't know why she keeps doing this. She eats a penny every day. We tell her to stop. Those Those would
1: have added up since she was a little kid, too.
0: I know. She probably has close to $4 and change in there.
1: So i my first thought was a deal pickle. I don't know why
0: I don't know why I keep picking news articles about royalty and what they eat. I don't know why yeah. I don't know why it's I think it's ridiculous that in America our news programs spend so much time talking about the royals. It's dumb. We beat them. Mm-hmm. We don't have to care anymore, so stop.
1: So let me proceed with this story.
0: <laughs> yes. So this is by uh, Stephanie Melasco. There is one dish that is made fit for a queen. Darren McGrady, Queen Elizabeth's former private chef, claimed that the reigning monarch has eaten jam sandwiches every day since she was a toddler. He revealed <laughs> that the 96-year-old favors a strawberry preserve made from fruits picked on her uh, moral castle grounds in Scotland. Well, la dee da. I don't think you could. I don't. Uh, everything about that just makes me so proud to be an American. When I don't care about the Queen, and I'll always laugh when Joe Biden spills some of his oatmeal on his tie, and I'll gladly stand up tomorrow because it seems like too much work today and i'm proud to be an american now i need to take a nap the queen was served jam pennies in the nursery as a little girl said mr said mcgrady in a recently surfaced youtube from his youtube channel published in july last year she had them for Afternoon tea ever since. I don't know what a jam what a jam penny is, but I was kind of <laughs> You knew right. where
1: I was going, didn't you? A jam penny. Uh,
0: well, now we need to do some Let investigative journaling. Yes. Jam penny sandwiches. Oh, okay. Here's what they are. They're a, two pieces of white bread with some jam in the middle of it, cut into a circle with the crust off. Uh-huh. That was... Wow. I just... Uh, I, I was Those actually
1: to. look pretty good.
0: I mean, it's a peanut butter and jelly sandwich without the peanut butter. Why don't just call it that? Call it a jelly sandwich, Britain. I'm gonna kick you right in the boot and toss you in the lorry.
1: I have a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. Hold the crust and peanut butter, please. Jam a- pennies. According- I'm bringing that to our next get together.
0: I'm just going to bring a jar of jam filled with pennies.
1: Mm. You should just put one penny in it and let them know that whoever finds it wins the award.
0: Right. Award of having to check they their peak be- to make sure that penny came out. Uh, according <laughs> to McGrady, the sandwiches, now get this, Scott. You ready? Yeah. The sandwiches are made from bread.
1: Oh, oh, oh. Boy, they're going—they're going special, aren't they? This is
0: some juicy, hard-hitting journalism. The sandwiches are made from bread with a little butter and a spread of jam, and then cut into circles the size of an old British penny. Really? First of all, how big so were old British, British pennies? Because I, well, yeah. I saw that sandwich. The thing was like four inches in diameter. I mean, you couldn't have
1: carried a, an old British
0: penny in your pocket. <laughs> <laughs> So dumb. Imagine how big the cash registers had to be. Had to be huge. In the parking meters, imagine how big the slot for the parking meters. <laughs> <laughs> Their pennies were the size of CDs. <laughs> hey, <laughs> mommy, can you? I have a penny? <laughs> can I have a penny to ride the horse? It's- Sorry, oh, son, darling. it's too heavy for you to carry. You're going to lift with your knees. You don't, want to have, you don't want to have penny back like your father. <laughs> <It's> so dumb.
1: <laughs> oh, goodness.
0: As part of the genteel <sighs> tradition of afternoon tea, McGrady, who was a chef to the Queen for 11 years, also revealed the monarch's solution to a familiar quandary for British scone lovers. Oh, thank goodness. I have been tied up in knots about quandaries regarding british scones. I'm so glad I can uh-huh. finally I can finally get this off my chest. She she answered the question. When you eat a british scone, which for all I know may be what they call jelly-filled donuts. I don't know. Ever since we watched that documentary where they called cookies oh, crackers, I don't trust anything from british or yeah. anything anything british. But, anyways, when you're eating a British scone, which again could be anything from like a, a pastry to a leg of lamb, for all I know, you <laughs> you put jam be first. A woman, jam first or cream? What are you putting on your on jam. your scone? Then you jam. are. You might as well just call yourself Elizabeth. Get yourself a crown, big boy. The queen was always jam first, he said in a separate video that some poor reporter had to watch and then write an article about. The jam went on, followed by that delicious clotted cream. You know what doesn't sound delicious?
1: Jam with clotted cream?
0: No, the word's clotted cream.
1: Mm. Mm Mm-hmm.
0: Just something about, you know, I've never once heard someone refer to anything as a clot. And me go, oh, man, my mouth is watering. That sounds delicious.
1: Is that a deep vein thrombosis? Or uh, what are we dealing with here?
0: As well as the (sighs) preserve, Elizabeth has always been partial to fresh strawberries. Well, who isn't? They're like, what is the point of this article? There's a war going on in Ukraine. Ukraine. (laughs) The queen would eat strawberries three or four nights a week. Oh, you dirty dog eating your strawberries three or four nights a week. And why wouldn't you? And ball moral if they were in season. Scott, I eat strawberries three or four nights a week. I like strawberries. They're good. They're cheap. They're delicious.
1: I love strawberries. I haven't had one in a while, though.
0: So she only eats strawberries when they're in season. However, woe betides anyone who tried to give her out-of-season berries. A January batch at the supper table would mean, off with your head, joked McGrady, who then said, of course I'm just joking. (laughs) No, Elizabeth, put the knife down. (laughs) (laughs) Besides that, it's not clean. I spread your jam with that. In all seriousness, how many people do you think Queen Elizabeth killed? I think she's probably murdered at least six or seven. I'm surprised, really, that Philip's still walking around. I thought that dude would have been been off months ago. Buckingham Palace would not comment on the Queen's sandwich er. Buckingham Palace would not comment on the Queen's sandwich preferences, saying, Why are you asking about this? There's a war going on in Ukraine. Ukraine? (laughs) And I quote. (laughs) Back in July 2021, McGrady spoke to Fox News Digital about cooking for Princess Diana, as well as her sons, Prince William and Harry. McGrady worked in the kitchen as the princess's chef during four of her birthdays. During those years, he said Diana did not make a big fuss about it. Instead, she would celebrate quietly with friends. Or, if her birthday fell on a weekday, she would simply have dinner at home with her boys. It wasn't a big celebration for her. I thought we were talking about the Queen with scones. Why are we talking about Princess Diana all of a sudden? Mm. Scott, do you think it's inappropriate if you crashed Princess Diana's uh, birthday?
1: Uh, I think you would you'd be in, killed.
0: Do you think it would wreck the whole situation?
1: Hmm. I think it might cause some problems. Do you think it might cause? It might put a di- it it might put a dividing wall between people.
0: Hmm. Do you think that people would say, "Well, that was an accident"? They might. But some people might say you did that on purpose. Yes. Yes. And other people would say. Why are you guys talking about this? It's just a candle in the wind. <laughs> and other people might say, Zach, you were two when Princess Diana died. Why do you know so many references to it?
1: I remember the night very well.
0: This is my first and last day as a limo driver. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Uh, License revoked that night.
0: (laughs) Uh, What a terrible thing to say, Zach. What is wrong with you? Horrible. Let's keep talking about Diana's wedding or birthday. Why not? It wasn't a big celebration for her. She would maybe on her birthday go somewhere like San Lorenzo restaurant with a friend, or just have a quiet lunch. Do you think if you're a private chef for somebody and they go to a restaurant, that's like a slap on the face?
1: Yeah, I would think so. Because, I mean, even if you're going to, you know, how do you even say, well, I want to try something different? No, no. It would be a slap.
0: I already warmed you up. A can of Chef Boyardee, Diana. <laughs> I'm using would you all take of my calling I would If you were care. a personal chef. No, I'd take the night off. In the evening, she would usually, more often than not, shower or have a bath and just throw on a white towel and robe, towel dry her hair, pop into the kitchen and say, okay, ready for dinner. And I saw it all from this little tiny hole I drilled in her bathroom wall, said the chef. What a creepy thing to say. I the, the, I just read the one of the creepiest sentences I've ever read in, on the history of this show, and you just did not react to it at all.
1: That's because there's no way that was actually in the article.
0: No, he said she would maybe have her, or no, uh, in the evening she would usually more than often, or more often than not, shower or have a bath and just throw on a white towel and robe, towel dry her hair, pop yeah. in the kitchen and say, ready for dinner. Yeah, that's yeah. that's the that's the creepiest thing I've ever heard a chef say about anybody.
1: <laughs> that is weird.
0: Why do you know that much maybe about her? She,
1: may, maybe she had a thing for the chef.
0: Well, I'm looking at him now. Why I else mean, would you
1: do... Wh-
0: he looks like the Pillsbury Doughboy's grandpa, so very well could be the case.
1: Yeah, why else would you do that, though, you know?
0: I don't know. I mean, if the dude's like living in my house, I come into my kitchen in my underpants all the time
1: would you show up in nothing but a towel?
0: Yeah. It was very quiet, very sort of low-key, McGrady added. I think she was like most women, that it's another birthday, and I don't want to celebrate getting older. Don't worry, she won't have to. Despite her reserved attitude, (laughs) McGrady joked that Diana's birthday served as one of his busiest days of the year at the palace. It was the most energetic workout I ever got in that kitchen on the second floor. McGrady laughed. Nothing that it wasn't or noting that it wasn't exactly because he was rattling pans in the kitchen. That has to be a euphemism for something.
1: Mm-hmm. All gets every, back to the towel.
0: Every five minutes it was one of the charities or a friend sending flowers, so I'd have to run downstairs, open the door, take the flowers, bring them back in, and upstairs, and the doorbell would go again, he said. The Eating Royally Recipes and Remembrance from a Palace Kitchen author added that if the princess were still alive, she, he believed she would spend her day enjoying time with her grandchildren, especially her granddaughters. The princess always, always, always wanted a little girl, he said. She held my daughter Kelly as a baby just after my wife Wendy and Kelly came out of the hospital. She just really, really wanted a little girl. I think she would have been spending as much time as possible, certainly with Charlotte, and hopefully Lilabette too. Just having a fun time with those young girls, the boys as well, obviously. But she loved little girls. Someone needs to arrest this man. (laughs) Yeah. Now, last week I challenged Scott with doing anything for this podcast, just anything. And he said, "I showed up big." He said, "Challenge accepted." I showed up big. And over the week, he sent me two articles. And so these are Scott's picks. And uh, I don't know what it says about him. But it says something. (laughs) This first Mm. one is from the AP News from August 26, 2022. Headline, always wanted to hit the gas, blind (laughs) Michigan judge drives.
1: This is my favorite of the two, by the way.
0: (laughs) Mount Morris, Michigan. A blind Michigan judge went for a drive and a sheriff rode shotgun. The sheriff a great said, opening line. never in a million years has I been more afraid in my life. Afraid for myself, afraid for pedestrians. What are we doing here? We're all going to die. As a hundred people watched, hopefully behind a very secure barrier, <laughs> Richard Bernstein of the Michigan Supreme Court drove a car on a dirt track Tuesday at Genesee County Fairgrounds, northwest of Flint. I've always wanted the feeling <laughs> of what sorry. it's like to hit the gas, or what it's like to turn on the ignition, and what it's like to operate a steering wheel, Bernstein47 told WNEMTV, and someone said... You know, they got, like, video games and driving simulators and stuff that you probably could have all those feelings uh, without putting people's lives in the danger. To which Bernstein said, oh, I'm sorry, I can't hear you. I'm blind.
1: (laughs) (laughs) (sighs) (laughs) I think this is great.
0: People living
1: out their dreams, Zach. Living out their dreams.
0: Sheriff Chris Swanson was in the passenger seat, giving directions and encouragement. They wore helmets. (laughs) (laughs) You know,
1: writing finesse, sometimes folks will put in these long, majestic sentences. Here we've got a subject, a verb, and a direct object. They wore helmets.
0: (laughs) Straightening out. Soft left, soft left, Swanson said. Oh, please, please, tell my wife I loved her. Please, stop the car. The other pedal, the other pedal. Please stop. Ow, it burns. It burns. The fire burns my legs. This is terrible. Ow, ow, ow. Please stop the car. You're just making it worse. Please stop. Please stop. Please, Don't
1: let the fake fire kill my friends.
0: Swanson said. No, really, he said he's doing it. Bernstein, who is seeking re-election in November, doesn't let blindness discourage him from certain goals. He's run more than 20 marathons backwards. My whole life...
1: (laughs) (laughs) It didn't say that.
0: (laughs) He wasn't actually in the marathon, but he was running at the same time.
1: (laughs) Yes, yes.
0: My whole life, I've loved well, making. Peop- he was
1: on a treadmill.
0: Yeah, my whole life, I've loved making people's dreams come true. The sheriff said. My whole life, I loved making people's dreams come true. The sheriff said. I love seeing joy on the face, and I've seen it the last two hours driving him up here. What a what! A... <laughs>
1: <sighs> and here's my question: Why didn't the sheriff just go ahead and let him drive up there?
0: Yeah, I mean you're the sheriff. (laughs) Just turn your lights on and go. Oh, but wait, Scott. There's more from you. I I can't believe I'm about ready to read what I'm about ready to read. (laughs) I
1: I can't believe believe you are either. Uh, This was just kind of for your entertainment.
0: This is from Ripley's dot com. How Ripley's came to acquire a mammoth nipple. From Ripley's Believe It or Not, August 18, 2022. It must have been cold when it died, archaeologists said. (laughs) 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 That's not what it says. Everybody needs to perk you know, up.
1: It's a, it's a lot more fun when I have the article in front of me and you go you go off the article like that because I'm like, I'm like getting ready for over the past few years. And then you go, must have been cold that day. <laughs> go ahead. I'm sorry.
0: Over the past few years, many incredible discoveries, or to our neighbors to the south, incredibly discoveries, have been made permitting us to reconstruct the daily lives of the ice. <laughs> Hello, dear listeners. This is Zach Geiler from, well, my desk as I'm editing this episode. And I've got to apologize already for what you heard about this story. Basically, it boils down to the fact that Ripley's Museum owns some mummified mammoth flesh uh, that had a nipple attached to it. And it's just a real uncomfortable story to listen to me read. So I'm going to spare you. And uh, yeah, we'll, we'll get back to the Nipple-free rest of the show. We'll keep you posted as more information surfaces about these one-of-a-kind discoveries and what they tell us about the Ice Age, its mammoths, and its ecosystems. Suffer and thukatash. I'm glad I Dually can stop A talking mammoth. like that. <laughs> Those were Scott's picks. <sighs> Speaking, the of,
1: speaking of woolly mammoth. Uh,
0: speaking of talking with a lisp, I have a uh, article from the New York Post from August 26, thousand and twenty two. Richard Simmons breaks silence, tells the Post he's living the life he's chosen. Richard Simmons is a is a strange person. Maybe I should say this people might have disliked him because he was flamboyant, but i've never I've never heard like a, a rumor going around that Richard Simmons said something bad about somebody else you know he That's kept a, he kept a I never pretty, have either he kept a pretty clean image despite his lifestyle choices. That being said, I do blame mm-hmm. Richard Simmons for my obesity, really, yeah, I was afraid if I worked out, I'd turn out like Richard Simmons. <laughs>
1: So I went to Taco Bell and McDonald's instead.
0: Richard Simmons has broken his six-year silence, with his spokesperson telling the Post that he or that the beloved fitness icon is living the life he has chosen. Simmons' rep, Tom Este, spoke Friday following the release of a new, doc- new documentary about the Workout King's sudden disappearance from the spotlight. Richard is eternally grateful for the continuous outpouring of love and gratitude he has received from across the globe, Etsy told the Post. He is happy, healthy, and living the life he has chosen to live. On Wednesday, Simmons, 74, published his own short note to Facebook, simply saying, Thank you, everyone, for your kindness and love. Love, Richard. But, if you know anything about Richard Simmons, you know that when I read that, I read, Thank you, everyone, for your kindness and love. Love, Richard. Keep it up, ladies. Keep that heart rate up. Move that leg and move that leg and punch your arms, Richard Simmons.
1: <laughs> That's funny. He's 74 now. That's hard to believe.
0: Este confirmed the message was personally composed by Simmons and uh, was his first public correspondence with fans in six years. Simmons was one of Hollywood's biggest stars for more than three decades before he suddenly disappeared from the public eye in 2014. Interest in the effervescent exercise guru has been reignited this week. Joseph, get away! <laughs> okay, so basically Richard Simmons, he disappeared because he, uh, just to summarize this, uh, he was having knee problems, and he was afraid of surgery, and so he never got the knee replacement he needed, and I imagine he got fat, and he's embarrassed. And the weirdest thing about this... uh About this article. Here's how the article ends. All right. The documentary about Simmons alleges that his knee problems stem from a birth defect, whereby he was born without a full set of bones in his foot. The condition purportedly caused physical and emotional problems. Despite the reported health struggle, Simmons, who has always been an introvert, is now seeming to relish his retirement, enjoying a quiet life.
1: you know, him being an introvert, I guess maybe that might explain some of his off the wall behavior.
0: So, yeah, Simmons is just an introvert. And that, if there's one thing I can say about Simmons throughout the years, he was always very low key, uh, very reserved, uh, just very, very quiet. Very quiet. I mean,
1: to himself, had a hard time interacting.
0: All right, one last story for you to cheer you up. This was published on August 24th, 2022. Kim Kardashian beats Hillary Clinton in a legal knowledge contest. <laughs> Kim Kardashian schooled Hillary Clinton in a test of legal knowledge in an episode of Clinton's upcoming Apple TV Plus documentary series, Who Cares? We Know You're Not Going to Watch It, according to a recent interview with People Magazine. The former Secretary of State went toe-to-toe with Kardashian, the reality TV star and criminal justice reform advocate, in a pop quiz on criminal law issues like use of deadly force in self-defense. Kardashian, who last year passed the baby bar exam, which I I assume that has to do with the baby Ruth and eating it, uh, after completing her first year in a law apprenticeship program, beat the Yale Law graduate 11-4. to Clinton describes the loss as heartbreaking. In the interview with People, Republicans described the loss as, thank goodness she's never going to win. There's yes. A lot of, there's a lot of things you can come back from. Losing a trivia contest to Kim Kardashian about the law when you're trying to be the president of the about United the States law? is not one of them. Chelsea Clinton, who played quiz master for the legal trivia matchup, told people she thinks her mom could have been or had the upper hand if the former first lady had faster reaction time hitting the buzzer when she knew the answers to a question. Zach Geyler now says, way to try to cover for your mom's just absolute ineptitude.
1: Scott Judge agrees.
0: The elder Clinton says she was really intrigued at how well Kardashian fared in the test of legal acumen. But allow me to translate that from Hillary Clintonese, that Armenian hussy.
1: <laughs> I wouldn't be surprised if she doesn't end
0: up in a jail cell hanging from the ceiling. I killed seen I'll kill you too, Kardashian. The elder Clinton says that she was really intrigued at how well Kardashian fared in the test of legal acumen. And she wanted to put the spotlight on her. The global influencer billionaire with 329 million Instagram followers. I really wanted, you know, Kim Kardashian been trying to struggle to get some popularity, some traction going. I mean, she only has 329 yeah. million Instagram followers. So I let her win. I let yeah. her win just like I let Trump At least win. I can <laughs> do. Am I still relevant, guys? Please listen to me. My husband's cheating on me playing saxophone. The failed presidential candidate insisted to people that she did not let Kardashian win, but rather wanted to help showcase how hard her opponent had worked to achieve her knowledge. You lost, Hillary. Deal with it. She is the worst loser I know, and that includes mm-hmm. Trump. And Trump just straight up. Just refused to admit he lost.
1: <laughs> he can't stand to lose.
0: But Hillary is just like, listen, I let Donald Trump win. I, I mean, he worked really hard on his campaign. So I just wanted to it's give him a I chance. That's the least I could do. You got beaten by Kim Kardashian in anything, anything knowledge related. Oh my goodness. <laughs> oh my goodness, anything. Hillary. What? Why why would you even put yourself in this situation where you might put your might lose to Kim Kardashian in a trivia contest on the law? I just hey, guess what guys? Hillary Clinton had a bad day when she lost when she lost to Kim Kardashian on a quiz about the law, and I know that I was talking about it didn't make her day any better, but hey Hillary and listeners of this podcast, it could have been worse. Like this story from Michael Farquhar's book Bad Days in History a gl- or gleefully grim chronicle of misfortune, mayhem, and misery for every day of the year which comes to us from September 1st, 1904. They were once the most abundant birds in North America. Teeming among the virgin forests east of the Rockies Samuel de Champlain reported their countless numbers in 1605. While Gabriel Segarred Theodet wrote of the infinite multitudes. Indeed, it was said that a single flock spread over a mile might take several hours to fly overhead. But within three centuries, the passenger pigeon was extinct. The gradual loss of their forest habitat was only the beginning of the passenger pigeon's demise. Mass slaughter ensured it. The birds' natural inclination to roost closely together when their evening chatter could be heard for miles around, and their sheer mass often broke tree branches, made them especially easy to kill. Hunters could net hundreds of thousands at a time, which were then sold cheaply to city markets or even ground into fertilizer. Towards the end of the 19th century, people finally began to take note of the passenger pigeon's plight, but conservation efforts came too late. To reproduce successfully, the social animals needed to be among their large flocks of companions. And since those communities had all been decimated by the end of the century, the few stragglers left in captivity remained essentially sterile. Martha, a resident of the Cincinnati Zoo, was the last of this once thriving species. When she died on September 1st, 1904, The graceful passenger pigeon was gone forever. All that's left now are Martha's stuffed remains kept in storage, along with her preserved insides at the Smithsonian Institution.
1: How long have they been there? I don't remember seeing those the last time I was there. Granted, that was 30 years ago.
0: They're in storage. Nobody cares about Martha. Oh, they're
1: in storage.
0: Hey, good night, everybody.
1: But the largest news network Learn. <laughs>